Welcome to Asset Blocks, a business owner edition because wealth creation is different for Australian business owners. Today, we're with Aaron Wybrow talking about how borrowing money is different for Australian business owners. But before we get into it, let's cue the disclaimer. Charlie here from Asset Blocks, and I need to let you know that this is a disclaimer. Grant, myself, and the Asset Blocks team are in no way, shape, or form qualified to give you personalized financial or investment advice. We're merely sharing our own experiences and opinions, but you should absolutely seek the help of professionals before acting on anything you hear in this podcast or on our brand. This episode is important because just like having a business partner, not all business partners are the same. Some have more money, some have more contacts, some have more knowledge, etc., And for us in wealth creation, the banks are our partners and borrowing is our leverage. And we think of it in the exact same way. So if you're an Australian business owner who is getting into wealth creation and looking to understand the difference for us, or if you've already stepped into the deep end and just want to understand more, this episode is for you. And if you like any of the content that we cover or want access to any calculators or templates that Charlie and I have put together, head over to assetblocks.com.au and download anything you need. And if you enjoy the show, be sure to subscribe and share it with someone else who wants to understand the difference in borrowing. And without further ado, let's get into the episode. Aaron is our funding specialist. He's actually done most of my mortgages and I think most of yours as well, Charlie. So Aaron's done all in- of mine several times by now. <laughs> <laughs> Just repetitively over and over again. Uh, Aaron, in 30 seconds, tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your background. So, um, Aaron, I'm a business owner, not unlike you guys and our listeners. Um, and I have a passion for wealth creation for, for business owners. And I've faced the same challenges that a lot of people have faced in the marketplace to get lending. And the funny thing is I'm in the industry of lending. Um, so I care and I have a background as an intensive care nurse. Uh, and there's a lot of complexities that come with that with equipment and people and you want to direct the patient into the right direction and get them out of there. And that's not unlike a business owner where they're focused on their business and they they want to create wealth and they just need to get the complexity put into a simple story to get their loan approval. I, l- I love that. How many um, how many loans have you done for? I'm going to split it down the middle, right? And it might not be down the middle. It could be 20%. So, that, how many loans have you kind of done for business owners or how many business owners do you kind of work with versus, I'm going to put this nice, like, others like employees and things like that if you were to kind of split it just so we understand the context yeah so so from a from a percentage um uh, in, in my my business firm i'm i'm the broker that does the main um funding for the self-employed or or what you were saying before is that we at times have maybe a husband as self-employed and a wife as employed and we have to combine it together and that can add another dynamic of complexity there but typically uh probably about 70, 80% of all my loans are either a combination of employee and self-employed or just pure self-employed with multiple entities and, and other structures that need to come into there to be able to put them in the right direction. Fascinating. How do you see the difference between it, right? Like from my experience, and I know Charlie's experience, it's fundamentally different as us as business owners going to get borrowing versus like employees going and get borrowing. Right, but how is it different for business owners? Oh, well, you could you could put a a word on it: documentation, um, and also time. 
So and with a, um, uh, if you had someone that's equivalent salary as a employed person, peak a hundred grand, and you have a hundred grand of a, a wage or income that's come to the, the self-employed person, what can happen is that we can just use two pay slips and away we go for an employed person. And if they get a pay rise, we can just use another pay slip and away we go. For a, a self-employed person, we may need to wait till their next tax return. And we also have to bring their businesses onto the table in the main of the lenders. So the person that's got the 100K employed and the 100K self-employed, if their business becomes the variable. So if their business has made a loss, that can come off their wage. So if it made a loss of 50 grand, now their income's dropped by 50 grand. But the alternative is very true as well. So if your business has made a 50 grand profit, you can now have this nice little non-person entity bolster and push your borrowing power through the roof. Yeah, I just want to jump in on this one. Let's break this down. So let's pretend we've got two uh, people, right? We've got an yep. uh, employed person on $100,000 a year, and then we've got a business owner in the in the equivalent earnings. So hundred grand a year, their business is making a profit that they're taking from there. Are you suggesting that uh, simply two payslips will enable that person who's employed to be able to get finance? And I don't know how long it takes to get two payslips, let's say a couple of weeks or months, versus yep. if it's a business owner, it's 12 months. It's a full calendar tax year to bring that into line. C- correct. And 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 that's it's also people that start their business in January, it's, it needs to be at times when we're trying to get the lower cost lending a full tax year. Um, so when you're off the off the tax year and and we're not we're not strategically starting a business on the first of July um, for Australian business owners or and we start in January or something different, it can change the whole equation as well. And if time in business is also how you can borrow money. So there are some instances where we can get money from day one self-employed, but then there's more commonly, we need at least that six to 18 months before we can even start to entertain a conversation. And then in the main two years um, of tax returns or two years of the ABN, and the GST that we need to have registered to be able to open up the the lending book to go forward. Um, And that's where the employed person has that slight advantage on the documentation where even if you are going to start a new job and you're on probation, there's lenders that take care of that. And even if you're not on probation, it's typically just a a payslip and the time in industry. Yeah, it's a massive one. And I love that point there as well. It's like um, I never thought about the calendar year thing, right? So if you do start your business in January, it's like 18 months you've really got to be doing well to take that in consideration. So versus the someone who is employed, that's a massive difference in when you might be able to get borrowing for investments or even your house in itself. I remember my own experience. Uh, it was like when I was employed, it's like, sure, come take – and then that initial part of it, like, I don't want to say the banks were like spinning on me, but kind of. Mm. And so they really didn't want to even know what I was. It was like, I'll come back when you've actually done something. And I was like, oh, knife to the guts. I was working really hard at that point. But that's a, it's, it's a really interesting thing when, when you do walk into a bank and you say you're self-employed and you say you're less than two years, they pretty well turn around and show you the door. Yep. But what I what I found is the alternative can be 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 paralleled where if you're going to buy your first home and you're um, asking the bank how much deposit I want I need to buy it that they'll give you that information. What I'm finding is there's a gap related to self-employed is that 
not only do you need to know what your target of deposit or equity or what we need to borrow, you need to know what um, where where you need your income to be. So if you go into the branch, and poor old banks, we're picking on them at the moment. They they are so big enough. That's a I common suppose. theme on this was, podcast, Aaron. That's was, fine. Was, that's fine. I don't think there's too many banks listening to this. <laughs> And you, you go in there and they say, come back in two years and they show you the door. They ha- we, we have to do more than that. We have to give you the target. Like if you need to have a good runway to the end of the financial year and you need an extra 50 grand of, of gross revenue to affect your bottom line to actually afford the properties, the wealth creation you want, you need to know that number two. Because just as we see it with the first home buyer, we give them a target of 100 grand and we think it may take six months, 12 months for them to earn that. We find that they usually, by natural instinct of, of, a, of a person, we, we find that they do it quicker. And if we give the business owner the target of income and the target of um, the deposit, and, and I'm not trying to be non-compliant here, but if they've got enough runway to affect their own future, which is what business owners can do, it, it changes the whole persona. Instead of you going into the branch and getting kicked out the door and you come back in a two years' time, they check your financials out. You've made a loss. You haven't paid yourself. You've invested in marketing. You've got a good rocketing business and you can see it changing. They still are going to show you the door again. And then that, that's where we get frustrated and we, we turn around and go, you told us that you can come back in two years' time and now you're telling us I can't even borrow and I've, I've done exactly what you said. So we've got to do more. Um, and and as as a broker, we've got to do more for our, our business owner colleagues that are out there trying to build wealth. So you've spoken about already the idea of like the well, I'm going to say the disadvantage of being a business owner is you've got to have longer, more in depth documentation to get a loan over the board. In this case, whether it's for your own home or for an investment borrowing, you really got to take into account those calendar years to make it work, or financial years really, not even calendar years. It's the uh, end of financial year calendar. Um, The other side of that, though, is you've just highlighted something that I think is probably even worth uh, reinforcing at this point, is while that component's a disadvantage, it's like the ability business owners have to affect their own income, or in this case, if they were given a target, which I love, Aaron, I love that as a point, (laughs) is saying, well, this is what I need your books to look like in this time, and this is what type of deposit, is like we, we have the ability to make that choice. We can do that. We can maneuver those things. So potentially being able to maybe borrow more or run a business in a way to support the borrowing we want to be able to get. That that's right. And um there's a there's a lot of business owners that I've given targets to and they just smash it out of the water. It's it's a nature of um of a of a business owner and <laughs> something and even, in their wiring, right? It's in the wiring, yeah. right? You just and, painted an object, they'll get it. Wish me, eh? And it's, and it's what I personally think as well. Like uh, I, I might be in the mortgage industry, but I, I have the same documentation as every other business owner that I have to do. And even, even more compliant wise is um, I need to potentially even have, have a third party look at it as well before it gets approved. Now, we've done, we, we have dove deep into a whole heap of documentation and time and it's almost like uh, if you're a business owner this this is hard to go and get borrowing but surely there are some pros that outweigh the cons or maybe there's more cons that outweigh the pros in your eyes Aaron. so like do you want to walk through a little bit about the pros and the cons for business owners borrowing yeah well i i I have to admit, I get excited when I talk to a business owner because obviously we have the ability to affect our own future, but we have access to other 
other well what what a bank would call warehouse they have a, a garage for this type of money that you need to provide your full two years of documentation then they have another and this is the analogy they have another garage that um, you have less less requirements to provide them um, take the person that started their business in the first of January and they've got a full 12 months financials and they're 18 months in we there there's a lender that we can use for that that's a low low rate area but we also have these things where in the the most common word is called low doc and the most common low doc funding we find is within a business um you might have a a trade industry business that needs a car and they make a phone call to an asset finance broker and they just provide their identification a bit of a conversation and voila there's their car that's like a low doc area when you're looking at wealth creation around, say, property investment or buying your own home, it's a little, little bit more fancy word that the banks use. They call it alt doc. They, they. I like that. I like that a lot. Alt doc. <laughs> yeah. So it's not like you can just throw your driver's license in a conversation at someone to get a to get a home loan, where whereas that could be possible for a car. Um, so this alt doc is where we can shorten the time period down. So. We could take that person that started their property um, wealth journey and in in an environment where you can get some advantage around rates and things like that, and maybe you pay a little bit more on the application fee. We could even shorten that time period down for a a business owner to buy a property with two full three-month quarters and their business activity statement. And we have lenders that can go into that um, detail and extract out what the profit and what they've paid themselves. Uh, and that allows us this big flexibility of going, okay, um, you might have the business owner and and I've had cases where they've been in business two and a half years, but their, their full financial year is at a loss, but they've had such a, a recovery for, for six months. And this is where these, these products can come in to help accelerate and make advantages of what's in the market. So, you have this ideal property on the table and you don't want to lose it. Or you've got this opportunity to level up for your family um, and you don't want to lose it. So there, there's those, obviously, those goals and decisions that you need to make internal. But we, as business owners, we have access to alternative funds, funds funding um, warehouses or garages, as I was saying. Okay, I want to make a clarifying point here. So can someone, in the example we're running through here, let's say someone's on $100,000 a year employed, so not Mm. a business owner, do they have access to these alt doc uh, scenarios or is this pretty much only the business owners? Only the business owners. All right, one for us. Come on. There's a pro. All right. Second one I want to ask there is uh, in deeper is like this is something Grant and I have mentioned a lot in other episodes about just having someone who actually works with business owners. Now I won't name and shame anyone on this podcast. Oh, actually, we've already done the banks. I mean, we kind of have. Well, <laughs> I was going to say, I'm like, what? What? <laughs> ask Grant, I take about? I take all that back. I'll just say my previous broker. It was apparent to me he didn't have much experience with business owners, and he would, I dare say, not even aware of this garage or old lending thing. From your point of view, Aaron, if um, in the industry in general, 
Is this something that most mortgage brokers know about or even the people in the bank are aware of these alt doc loan availabilities or things that can be done to help business owners get lending? Or is this very specialized to a few? Like what's your feel on the general mortgage broker? And do business owners need to be hunting for someone who works specifically with more, uh, business owners? Well, I, I, w- I would take that back a little bit because when, when we're trying to put approvals through for business owners, we've got to understand that the banks are geared up and made policies from their preconception of being employed themselves. Um, having uh, There's so much lending out there, so many people that need lending from what we're specifically talking about with business owners through to the employed person through to the employed person that has has the ability to have entities to draw passive income or or even getting more complex into their superannuation space, um, that mortgage brokers will specialize. Um, we've all I, I've started I started out as a mortgage broker and I did I did employ people because you can see as we've talked it was it's it's easy two payslips away we go annualize a payslip. But as we get into the business owner area, banks don't usually annualize your profit and loss statement halfway through the year, um, but they do on your payslip. So, do everyone does everyone know everything about lending? No. Um, there, I, I have a passion behind business owners, so I've gone straight deep into that. And and my journey was was going through the self money super funds and into the complexities of. Um, how we can get the right lending for business owners, how we can put them in the right trajectory and the right targets. Um, and and even even as as recent as this week, I've had conversations with business owners, electrical companies and other others that are focused on what they're doing best, that when I've suggested that maybe we can utilize your last six months of uplift via your business activity statements, they just went What's what's going on here? How can we do that? Is it going to cost me more? How much more is it going to cost? What's the actual dollar figure that it's going to turn into repayment-wise? And this is the other thing when we're looking at these, these funding lines, it's what's the repayment going to turn into, not necessarily what the interest rate is because it's not the interest rate. It's actually what's coming out of your bank account that really, really matters. Um, so when you're looking at mortgage brokers, we, we all tend to go to a specialty. Um, and and my my niche is complex self employed, and I love I love the space because we affect and make an impact, um, and and that's where when you're screening brokers, I think all business owners can go down the path of what we do inside our business. So inside our business, when we want more staff, we go out and recruit, and we go out and interview. Um, that's a natural talent that a business owner has. Why don't we do it for our team that's around us to to build wealth? And I think that comes back to that educational play, right? Like when I first started this as a business owner, I'm just like, huh, accountants are all the same, right? <laughs> oh, lending specialists, they're all the same, right? Because where are you going to find that information from, right? There's so no, funny. There's no education that's like, oh, did you know they're different? Like there's no Google search that says, oh, by the way, lending specialists, go and look for a business owner specific versus employee specific, et cetera. Right, like it is, it is one of those epiphanies that I, I don't think a lot of business owners understand is that it is different. And so, what I'm going to do is I'm going to unpick this, right? Because I know quite a few mortgage brokers, and I've used others in the past, and they just say, "I'm a lending specialist," or "I'm a mortgage broker." Right? They don't really go to your point down into the complex self-employed, right? So, imagine I'm just listening to this, and I'm like, Aaron, Charlie Grant, 
I get what you're saying. How can I shake down the guy I'm using to actually see if he understands it? Or if I'm out looking for different providers, like what kind of questions should they be asking? They obviously can't just go straight out and say, hey, do you understand the differences for Australian business owners? Like, How should they approach this in your experience, Aaron? Because you would have seen people who just specialize in employees versus business owners, right? So how, do, how can we differentiate that? Yeah, th- this is um. It probably touches on a, on a few things too. Is that when we start doing approaching people, uh, we 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 are on heightened alert. Um, we we are trying to see where maybe the negotiation is going to. We're trying to get them to tell us a lot more about themselves before we give information about us. Um, and that could be could be that that ego thing, or it's just smart business. Um. And I, I would go down the path of that natural talent. We're, we're trying to recruit uh, for a specific business position in our business. And I don't think our wealth creation team should be considered any different. And you go down, you're going to have to ask the questions. Like it might be, have you worked with accountants and financial planners before? It might be really simple stuff. It might be, in, in my case, I get a lot of referred business. You might want to go, yeah, well, you've suggested to use Aaron. I don't know him from Bar of Soap. What's he done for you? So going back to the, the person referring the person on, and I see it in as I'm actually actively recruiting for brokers in my own business, um, I'm going to have a look at what's their deals. What have they done deal-wise? What do their deals look like? Um, so I can get a little bit more specific because I'm in the area. Um, but we might start off with something small. I might refer them a small deal to start off with. It may not even be my, like as a business owner, you might want not want to give them your deal to start off with, but your, um, your son or daughter might need to buy their first house. Now, we just talked about uh, the self-employed aspect and the PAYG. The, the son or daughter might just be an employee and they just want to see how you interact Um to do something. And, and I've had that experience before. I've had a big family come to me for lending. We, we do the, we help the son or the daughter out. And then we go, then we have to restructure the 12 properties that they own. Um, the seven or eight properties sitting in a, in another entity. Um, it can get complex where it's, where properties are sitting in a trading entity as well. And we're using words like entity today, which is just a business company. And, it can be that step-by-step, step. but my word of warning for any business owner looking for a lending specialist is don't skimp on giving the information to the lending specialist that you they need to get your loan across the line. And also don't think that you have to give them your whole portfolio to start off with either. You need to give them all the information to be able to get their loan, your loan approved with what you're testing them with if you're going to go down that path before, so, so they can get that done before you maybe want to open them up to do all the other lending that you have. Such a good point, Aaron. Like you can just, I don't think any business owner, I'm just laughing at our own internal bias. Do you know a single business owner that would be like, hey, uh, all staff are the same. Like when you're hiring, it doesn't matter. Just hire anyone. It's, it's fine. Right? <laughs> There's a whole industry devoted to like getting A players, right? We, we can clearly see this, but when it comes into these worlds, we want to pretend that it's all the same. Now, I picked up on a point earlier I would really like to look at here, and this may be an easy question or a hard question to answer. You've suggested in some of this alt lending 
uh, mm. which I like that word a lot and I start using it. Uh, the point being is like, and the costs associated with it, in a general view, just a general view, is borrowing more expensive for business owners with the costs associated to these types of loans versus someone who is employed? Because this might actually be a disadvantage to business owners and maybe we should be setting that expectation that lending can be more expensive. Um, it, it depends on how we're going to average it. Okay, so if we pick on pick on the loan documents that come to us, we're fully approved. We get a thirty year loan term in front of us. It's an old doc loan. It's it's sitting at a an interest rate that's a lot higher than what we think our standard lending is. It's got an application fee that's a lot higher than we we thought it was going to be. But it says thirty years. What we find generally, and and with the right lending specialist behind you, what we find is that the old doc lending or even really more old doc like lower documentation down to even just providing an accountant's letter which as a lending specialist is really cool because you get rid of all the complexities of a business and you just look at this accountant letter and it says they earn 300 grand you just whack 300 grand in the calculator so it can sometimes make my job a little easier but we're only going to most of the average home loans in australia we're looking at anywhere between that two and four year mark before they start restructuring a new product comes out a cashback from a lender, a promotion, something on the TV that attracts someone to investigate, looking at what they want to do with their home loans. And it's the same with the old doc lending. Where there's got to be a reason we're putting them into it. So um, if we give an example, um, a client of mine, we've he's bought a lot of property off the plan. Um, that strategy can be talked about at a different, a later date, but it's all coming up to registration. So we actually have to act now to get the lending. We don't have all the tax returns on the table right now. So we have a valid reason to go down the path of a slightly higher cost lending. But are we going to stay in it for the whole 30 years? Are we are we going to look at our contracts and it says we're going to pay three times, four times the amount of the property that we're buying because we're going to stay in it for, for 30 years, but we're not. So what we're trying to do is not only just do the transaction to get them and secure the property and secure any of the capital growth and all that stuff that they've been able to get over the period of time, but we're also going to be working alongside their accountant and themselves to see where their tax returns are up to. And back to the first point that we're talking about with the first home buyer and the, the self-employed needing the targets of income and the targets of this, um, they haven't done all their tax returns yet. So we can actually guide where we might need to be and what they what runway do we have to the next financial year to be able to put them into the all-doc lending now, but then look at restructuring them into the right style of lending for them to have a platform for growth for the next subsequent transactions from there. And I'm going to piggyback off this, right? Because this is where it's different. So business owners, we think in quarters, years, forever. And I'm going to relate this back to employees, right? If we're starting out, the employee that gets us from zero to, I don't know, maybe $100,000 of revenue or half a million or a million are probably not the same employees or the same company structure that's going to get us the next step, right? And I really like this from a lending perspective as to how it's completely different because to your point, you might use an alt doc loan for one property or three properties or five properties today, but in two years, doesn't mean you can't change them, right? In five years, it doesn't mean you can't change them. And I really like that concept because as business owners, we always think ahead. We always think in the future where I'm going to say quite a lot of employees when they buy their own home or even potentially buy an investment property, it's a set and forget, right? I'm with my bank and until to your point, I see an ad on TV, I'm not going to change. <laughs> where as business owners, it's like, no, no, how can we stack the decks in 
our favor, right? And I, I love that because it's not, it's not like AltDoc is going to help us today, but it might not be the long term. And so, one of the questions I want to ask about is how should business owners be thinking about lending? I think that point is just so powerful and think of lending to help with a long-term vision, right? But it doesn't mean you're going to have to have that one component of lending for 30 years. What other things should they be really thinking about when they when it comes to lending that can relate to the back to their business, for example? So, that they, they have to have the clear set goals of what they want to do um, because- as to the point with alt doc lending, we we usually uh, I personally want a reason why we're doing it. Um, it could be the social reason: need to move house, need to buy a house asap. Just do what you can, or contractually, I need to do something. Um, but to 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 the point, what are they? It, I go down the line of the repayment. If we're going to go into alt doc, and someone says you're going to be in double digits in the interest rate. Um, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's what's going to come out of your bank account that's going to be the nuts and bolts of the whole thing. Um, just as you look as a, a business owner into your cash flows in your own business, um, you've got to look at your cash flows in your personal life as well. And it, it's we've got to get away from... 100% focus on the interest rate. I know the TV, as you said, throws the interest rate out of it all the time. Good, good selling point, Aaron. It's a great attractive selling point for people to understand though, isn't it? It's like it good is. marketing, not necessarily great I mean, business. <laughs> well, there, there's all this com- conversation now around is interest rates going to change upwards, downwards, wherever it's going to go. And back in my day, it was like a bajillion percent interest rate. But the lending amount was low. Now, the low rate and a high lending could have the same net effect. So, I think the argument's mute. It's, it's all about what our goals are going to be for our, our, our business, our return on investment. Like, if you take a, a professional that you want to create wealth and you want to pay half a million dollars a month to them, you're going to expect two million back a month. So, it's not, it's not the dollar... Um, it's it's the return on investment, I suppose. And we look at return on investment, we look at cash flows, and we look at negotiations in our businesses all the time. So why can't we have a little bit of that knowledge and skill base that we have in business onto our lending? And if if we're going to look at an opportunity and we'll pick on a property, we'll look at an opportunity on a property and it's going to make us six and a half, nine percent back or five percent back, we can make some judgment calls on where the where the rate needs to be, what the repayments are going to be. The the um, predict on the costs to operate the property. Do they need to repair all that stuff? We we do it in our business. Why don't we do it in our our, our property investment? So it, it's not necessarily the the product, the rate. It's it, uh, I'm what's the cliche? It's the journey. Um, we don't have to stay in these high cost products, and we don't have to feel like we're the poor substitute cousin to the PAYG or the employee. We actually have an advantage that we can get access to money that does cost a bit of money, but we're going to make a bit of money because we take in our business acumen and throw it into our wealth creation. Completely. And I do want to bring in one point here. Up until this point, I haven't had to use any old doc lending and Aaron may be correct. correct. 
So it's like we are merely suggesting in this conversation that this is one of the advantages and difference, but by no means do I want to uh, have it interpreted that, all right, that's how you do it if you're a business owner. You don't do any normal loans. You do all this old stuff and that's our ticket to winning. It might be for some people, I will say, but I doubt it will be for all people. In my own personal case, um, I've been able to, once getting my finance organised with Aaron particularly here, is just being able to use the normal big four banks. I haven't even have to skew into any of the second tier or third tier lenders to this point, although we'll see, right? Um, the next thing I, I just wanted to come in on here quickly is it's it's fascinating to me that how my thinking's changed around lending. Like I really used to think about this when I was early on is like I need to make myself look safe and secure like an employee so the banks will give me money. Like my interpretation was that to do well with lending – you know, hey, you got to try and be as much like an employee or as secure as employee, where it's just not true in the thinking where it's like I very much approach it. Big thank you to Aaron for helping me with this of like there are ways to look at, well, all right, this is where I'm trying to go. Okay, this is my wealth goal, which I know we've covered in another episode. And then I suppose reverse engineer at what it needs to look like from a business perspective. I will say, and I want to throw, I know I've said one more thing, one more thing, one more thing, but it seems in many cases, if you've just got a good business, that solves a lot of problems with lending as well, right? Like there are tactical solutions, making money is still key here, is it not? (laughs) Absolutely. What is it, the the analogy that's come out um, that I'm trying, that that I've probably taken from another another, uh, speaker is that uh, your car is your business and you need the fuel to go places and you've got to have plenty of fuel to go to where you want to go with whatever goal you want. But also there's seats in the car. You need the right people in the car with you. And that's why we run out of fuel. I want them to push me. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) And and that's why we don't have sports cars. We have seats that we can have people in the back. (laughs) But it it actually comes back to a point. Like I'm fortunate enough where I'm in several businesses. Um, And one point I'm going to make is that one of the big detriments that I had was I was a director for a business that had raised quite a bit of money um, in order for us to grow the business. And that put, even though the the business itself looked all rosy and the the cash flow was all pretty good, it still had this big amount of debt, which obviously falls back to directors. Like, are there other sort of pitfalls or other considerations that business owners should just be aware of. Like I knew that I had to step down as a director. It's fine. I'm still on the board and I still help them out and all those things. But that really impacted my ability to go and get funding because the banks looked at that as if I was a component of that debt. They're just like, and we're going to take that off what you can borrow. (laughs) And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, I'm like, this business is a great asset and and it was worth eight figures. And I'm like, what what, what do you you mean? Like, it's, it's negligible. Like, is there any other scenarios or even expand on that that you see business owners make or other common mistakes that you like, oh, I've got to fix this before we can go and get some borrowing? Oh, it's, um, it's, it's such a common, common area when you start unpacking the documentation. And, and to your point, Charlie, you 100% a profitable business comes into it. And then for, for you, Grant, looking at the other entity approach. And if you combine combine those couple of approaches where you can have entities that are profitable and you can have things that just to meet an investment entity uh, or company, these couple of things come into how we can interpret lending policy. Yep. So it's not necessarily we're going with, with any of the lending that we get. We've talked about the nitty-gritty of interest rate and we could talk about the nitty-gritty of repayment type and we can throw big words out like interest earning principal and interest. It may not be that in the end. It, it, what's the policy behind 
how we can deal with a, a, a person that is a director of multiple companies. Um, how can we deal with a person that's got their, their trading company and they've got an entity that's passive income for, for property? And this is where we can get into um, a concept that I had when I was a, a sales rep where you can have the left pocket, right pocket. So we can, we can do a full assessment on the left pocket and we can exclude the right pocket. <laughs> or we can look at the right pocket because it's got a bit more money and we can exclude the left. And that that's, could be similar as your left pocket's your business and the right pocket's your personal life. Yep. And that's just putting, trying to put it simply. And there's three or four policies within the major banks in Australia that can allow us to isolate the pockets out. And if we need to combine it all together, we can get into more and more detail of the financials. And we can use these, these words that are thrown out a lot, like adbacks. Um, we can throw out words like instead of having a lot of buffers around person's rental income or their own personal income, we can then look at um, not having too many buffers or using other policies that allow us to extract more income out of the situation than less. And then most recently is that there are a twofold effect in the market at the moment with some lenders looking at directors that just pay themselves a wage and put them through, put themselves through their own payroll, and we can just look at that wage and and go down the path of trying to giving the business owner another advantage of treating them like a PAYG employee of their own business, and that can actually have a twofold effect where people are trying to make their business profitable, and that means that any of the debt, any of the other things that are inside their business, as long as they are able to demonstrate that that pays all the bills and expenses and lending in their business we could you you can you can have this twofold effect where you can actually use your pay slips as a director and in your business you could still look at scaling up and getting more petrol in that car and putting the right people in that car with you to drive forward all righty so that's one scenario there and i want to come back to grant's question mm. though about yep. mistakes so we mentioned one about potentially being a director in a company that mm. um is losing money so if yeah. you're a director of a company that has a lot of debt and losing money, that's a negative that's one That's negative. Huge one, I would imagine. Um, is there any common ones that come up uh, for business owners in general? And the ones that stand out to me, I'm looking at like credit cards, car loans, things like that. What, uh, I'm not sure like your partner's financial position or if you've married into debt or anything like that. But like give us the hit list. Like what do you have to fix in a lot yep. of cases? Um, to be typically people's balance sheet. Um, the, we, we have common, there's the common easy policies of the banks to go down the path of your car loans and your credit cards and those items and credit cards in particular, the, the bank doesn't look at what you owe on the credit card. They look at the limit that you have and have a mathematical equation on how they're going to use the monthly payment of that. Um, the car loans, they, that in the inside of business in the main will go onto your, your whole situation when we open up the business for, for looking at lending and accelerating the, the wealth there. They come into it, but then we have the addbacks of the interest and depreciation of the, the assets to try to offset that. But what I find really interesting is where we have line items in the balance sheet that are loans to mum and dad loans that you've had to use to that to to a different company 
um, cross the cross pollinization, you could say, of other companies lending to that company, lending to that company, lending to that company, and then then in some respects, when we get into bigger and bigger companies where there's multiple shareholders and and they are at a level that the bank wants to investigate a little bit further to be satisfied that we're lending and and it's not being a little bit misconstrued, I suppose. So the common things are we're we're, we're looking at the non the the main ones the balance sheet the addbacks and more more recently is a lot of the grants that are coming in um aren't able to be used as as income so we we are finding um a lot of profit and loss statements will say show a profit but if you've got grant money and other money that is a once off the bank doesn't use once off because they can't predict whether you're going to have it again the, the other thing I find in people's financials is that when we have line-itemed um, income um, where you, you've specified what your, um, your, your income is in different areas and then from year to year, everything varies. And I've had credit managers on the phone going, uh, in that line item, we've made this much money a year before and now this year I haven't. But in another line item, it has. And overall, the business has done well They've just we on a, on a day we might get someone that's a bit more line item based on assessing the loan. Oh, can I, can I jump in on that one? I'm very curious about that. So let's pretend you run a, a company and there's two departments, right? And in one year, the first department, let's say they do SEO grants favorite, oh. and they have a great year, right? Woo, they're really profitable and they make a fortune, and like that's where most of the profit comes from. Naturally, year two SEO, get rid of that crap. Doesn't work. And then we come back into uh, podcasting, which is much better. Then SEO, yes, throwing shots. Uh, and then podcasting has a really good year. But then the year after, it swaps back again. So now we're back in SEO uh, working. So the alternate forms of income in a business where we've seen severe swings in the line items of income, that can affect your lending. That is something that could be looked at. Yeah, and it's not very common, but I have had the question before. Um, versus a company, if I assess two companies and I've got one described as you've described and one that just continually just re- reports sales income, no one's any wiser. How interesting. So this could come down to literally how your accountant is uh, segregating things on your books could make a difference. That, that's right. And, and not to pick on our accountants, uh, but I've, I speak to accountants all the time. Um, it's probably the first thing I like to do when I'm talking to a self-employed person. Not Maybe not the first thing because I want their goals and where they're going so that we don't just do one transaction. We're looking at affecting the whole wealth creation. But we are going to ask to get in touch with your accountant. And I've seen, I've seen things where they, some, of the, some of the numbers from one year to the next with loans that are on the business aren't decreasing. Um, I've found that there's, there's things that we need to, for, according to policy, we might need to show one year instead of two years. We might need to uh, explain what the other type of income is in more detail um, just so that we can get a bit of a screening technique where I don't have to put a loan to a bank before I get an answer. I can go and try to get an answer before I package it up to the bank the right way. So we, I'm always talking to accountants how can we? How can I explain this? Where's this up to? How have you done your, your cost of um, cost of goods? Why is it slightly different from the financials that the accountant prepares? That's that nice, funky, nice little booklet that they give you versus the tax return. That's a bit more squares and 
one A's and one B's that you see that you go, oh, geez, I don't know what's going on here too much, but you can see that it sort of matches. What are the differences? Uh, and there's a lot of stuff that you just need to, It's it comes back to where I was saying, you have to bring the complexity into simplicity and you have to explain it effectively. Can I throw one more in on that? I'm interested in going deeper here and there may mm. be several. I seem to say for whatever reason, throw for one it. more in. Just one I'll more. Just keep just going and keep going. Yeah. Anyway, I'll work on that. Uh, in this example here with your accountant, and I'm, I'm very fascinated by this, but let's uh, look at this quite commonly, and I'll give the accountants a chance to defend themselves at some point. Uh, we are going to have uh, Anthony, our accountant, on as well to discuss some of those things. Let's say you're a business owner it's coming to tax time, and quite commonly things will come up like, what can we do to reduce your tax? Mm-hmm. People will do depreciate items, they buy cars, they may uh, do loans in a certain way. Like they'll, they'll absolutely paint their books in a way that's like, sweet, I'm not paying any. Go on, full Kerry Packer, no tax. <laughs> Does that commonly uh, bite people in the – or come around to bite people in the ass, so to speak, when it comes to borrowing where suddenly they've made their business look way less profitable and in the scope of going on uh, the wealth creation journey and potentially using borrowing to buy property, is that something where you've had to pull people up or have conversations and does it affect borrowing here? Um, yeah, and and I suppose to your point, I, I suppose that when you get accountants on here, they can have a have a swipe at brokers too. Um, <laughs> oh, they will. <laughs> we're, we're we're making people pay too much tax because we want more income. Um, I, I I had a I was thinking about a, a tax minimization, which is obviously as you've referenced Kerry Packer and the famous interviews that are going around that you don't want more tax because um, <clears throat> they can't do the right thing with it is I've I've sat in a client's room a house when I first became a broker went went into this house and they've got a pool and they've got a $700,000 mortgage and they give me their tax returns and I've got $28,000 of personal income each um and if we do the numbers quickly on that like there's a $38,000 that has to go to the mortgage um, I checked their, their income tax return. It had private health insurance as well, which is another few grand a year. And they've got a couple of kids. And I'm not sure how the personal income of like 52, well, the, the mass is going out of my head, $56,000 a year is going to cover everything that they were they're using and with a couple of nice cars at the front and things like that. So tax minimization can be really good to not pay tax. But is it really the right way to think about when we're going down the wealth creation? And and if we're earning money and paying tax, it means that we're going in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Do, do, does it mean that we can't use some good skills to be able to minimize? Absolutely. And that's where the accountants can come in. And I think where where I've been doing a lot more work is where in, in this next six months, uh, going from a January to a June area, a lot of accountants will go down the line of um, tax planning. Um, and they'll they'll do all that sort of stuff. And I think with tax planning, this is where I've been putting my hand up and going, can I get in? Can I? Can we have a chat about the lending as well, the tax planning? Because with the age-old principle of a car, uh, we go down the path of a car for tax planning methods because we can depreciate it quickly or slowly. Um, if they've already got a good car that's still doing the job, is that a worthy expense? And is it a worthy expense if we want to go and borrow the money for the car just to avoid tax? Um, so it comes back to the goal. What, what are we trying to do, Mr. Business Owner? Are we 
wanting to minimize tax via lending on cars and and that stereotype or are we trying to let's let, let's go down the path and I'll put it out there that maybe you need to take a hit and pay the tax for a couple of good years as a business owner just to be able to leapfrog yourself forward <laughs> Throwing knives in Aaron, it's exactly how yeah. I feel. I've made massive donations to this government in the last few years to get borrowing. <laughs> yeah, well, and and the benefits will come. This is the thing. Like, yeah, totally we, worth we, it. Like, like you talk to, I talk to other clients that are that are multi, multi, multi property stuff, and some of them are, are under government schemes, and some of it is not. And you you talk to them about how their tax goes, and they can draw the wage that is considered potentially ridiculous out of the business and but their portfolio supports it in a way that helps minimize tax in a in a way that is um professional um and and an upsmart person of the community contributing their fair share under a system that allows them to do what they need to do to build their wealth isn't that interesting right and i'm gonna i'm gonna switch tack now and i'm gonna ask you some personal questions about this right because we're we're talking uh, about stories that charlie and i've obviously been through and that you've seen with your clients so i'm going to ask you a couple of opinion questions on this aaron i want to get your your thoughts on some of these right so here we go do you actually think that business owners should own their own house or do you think they should just focus in on investment properties and use them as wealth creation i have to try wait wait there's no it depends no boundary. This is a like have to pick, and this is an Aaron opinion. This is not you representing what anyone should do. This is just you. So I, I want to ask one question then before I answer the question. Um, for you both, uh, do you guys own your own home, uh, even with a mortgage? Yeah, Charlie. Yes, I do. I absolutely do. And I'm a nope. I'm a big bad rent vester. Let me live wherever I want to live, and I'll rent and help everybody else out. Whilst I buy more investment properties, yeah. So I can see why you want to dig into this question there. <laughs> <laughs> we want to see who's better, Charlie or me. So I'm going to put two pieces of little context around this one. I find a, a social context and a financial context, and and I'll put a little bit of lending in there too, just to help out, and then I'll make a decision for you. <laughs> the the social context could be that you're um, have a growing family, and you have a significant other that um, is like desperate to have their own house. Uh, and that could play a lot on the decision. Um, and and you guys would would understand the happy wife, happy life style of approach here. Um, you you might actually don't care where you live. You can move around anywhere you like, and that's another aspect that comes into the decision of buying or owning your own home. Um, or you may just have a real big personal choice to buy a home. And we still will get capital growth out of our own places. And um, Charlie, you you would see that as well in your own circumstances. Now, I'm going to reveal something a little bit personal. So I wanted to keep renting and buying a home, buying homes to rent out. I wanted to be like a grant. <sighs> that, yeah. hurts. that hurts, Aaron. That hurts. But but I'm going to say I like a happy wife, happy life. So. <laughs> I had to buy a home and I bought in Northwest Sydney. And um, at the moment, if you've seen some of the metrics around that, that's been quite phenomenal. So I suppose I'm, I'm sitting in the camp that I, I love um, to, to understand people's decisions of where they want to go and match up with that. But personally, I, my journey has been that I've bought my own home. 
Okay, so we can all agree Charlie was right. We'll Wait, leave that one there. But I want to ask a clarifying um, yep. question around that. Like my view and opinion on this is the only wrong move you can make is to do nothing. Correct. Right? Is to be a dropkick and go through life um, not doing anything. In your opinion, Aaron, it seems that you can be successful in both rights. Like there's pros and cons with each. There's going to be individual circumstances, but one is not necessarily better than the other. Right. Okay. Yeah. And and um and and to that point, you you're hinting on. Well, I feel you're hinting on a on a question that if we're going to rent, is that really dead money? And because we're renting, we can't save money. We can't move the money where we need to to be able to uh, to to do do what Grant's doing and get the money out and get it to the get it to the next property. Um, we can still have. I have a lot of people that come in trying to get their first time, their first time property buyer, whatever their income circumstances are, and they all feel like I'm renting. It's just too hard. I can't save on top of that. I can't save on top of that, and that won't be uncommon to business owners too. So it, it is one of the biggest benefits for someone that is renting is that the calculators that the banks use it's in their favor, and someone that owns their home with a mortgage on. The calculator gets a little bit more buffery on it. So, to expand on that, if you pay a thousand dollars a week in rent, the calculator says a thousand dollars. But if you spend a thousand dollars on a mortgage repayment per week, the bank will take the outstanding balance with the interest rate and put the serviceability buffer on, which we can expand in a later podcast. And that thousand dollars a week really turns out to fifteen hundred or two thousand dollars a week, depending on the lender. So they're tapping your income to build your wealth creation. And the other point you could make is that in, in some of the capital cities, it's so hard to get a low mortgage now. And the rental yields in compared to the value of the properties at the moment are a lot less. Yep. So there's a, there's a lot of case to make to live where you want and invest where you can make the money. Ooh, can I can I ask one more question on that? And I'm going to say that one more damn mm. word again. Anyway, one more, one more. <laughs> can business owners then buy too much house? Is this a reverse trap? So, like, if we're saying doing nothing, not a great idea. Can you a, a person buy too much house? Let's say they live in inner Sydney when they go, they've got a good business and they buy a three million dollar house. They've got a massive mortgage com, uh, compared to what they could potentially choose. Like, you can definitely buy smaller homes. Is that something you commonly see that traps people from getting into other uh, investments or wealth or just hits their cash flow too hard? Yeah, I, 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 I see where you're getting that. And that, that I have to point on your topic, have a, a really crazy hot profitable company. <laughs> um, I've, got, I've got a couple of clients at the moment that have gone into the, the massive levels of debt on their own house. But... But they've got a cra- one's got a crazy hot company that it didn't really matter too much, and as we said, there's no wrong decision in it. The only decision that's wrong is not to make a decision. Yep. And then I've got um, a crazy hot company that's making profit, and the client's renting, um, but doesn't have the problem that they can't save on top of their rent because it's such a, a controlled mechanism of of, of expense. So. Yeah, we. I think. Can you get too much debt? I don't think so. I think it comes down to what's your goal. Um, 
can you have too much property? No, I don't think so. Um, maybe if you have all your property in one location and you have a, a natural disaster, that could be an interesting thing to think about. Um, but if your affordability and your you've got a crazy hot company making lots of profit, I think you've got to keep making the decisions and stop making no decision. I like I, it. I like it. Yeah, it's, it's always like that paralysis analysis, right? Like just any any decision is a better decision as well. And uh, we've Don't said forget, it, Aaron, Aaron just said you're crazy hot as well, Greg. I know. I, I did hear that too, <laughs> by the way. And I was going to recommend, Aaron, that you go into politics. That's great. That was the best answer of just squirming and making Charlie and oh, I happy. That was, I know, that, was, right? I know. that was great. That was one way to support each other. Dig in, dig in. <laughs> Bring is it going to get clickbait? <laughs> this is, Damn it. This is, this is it. But uh, – so I am curious, right? So you're a business owner and you're a lending specialist. So you have a very specialized knowledge in a great area, but also have the context to, to align to everyone who's listening to this. So I'm going to ask sort of some questions from your view. Like how many business owners have you seen that have retired solely from their business, like just from their business? Personally, as a client, None. Yeah. So I just want to repeat this. So I want to make sure we get this. So in the lines of the context of this show, we're very mm. much of the opinion that you've got to do something outside of business. You've got to build yep. your wealth outside of business. Now, I haven't seen anyone who's just had a business and retired off that and it all worked out. It does your comment match the same? Like everyone you've seen has gone in the context of what you know, your opinion only, that no one's done it as well. I haven't found a business owner that is not doing any other asset purchasing that has just wholly solely relied on succession or a sale of their business to someone else, all right? Even when you look at the business of a, of a few of my clients where they have assets like bricks and mortar inside the business, I would even say that they've done more than just run the business because they've got the bricks, inside, the bricks and mortar inside their business. They're still going to sell something that's going to affect their whole life that's not their business operating and selling that. Take um, take my my industry in mortgage broking land. We have two lines of income. One's the continuation of the loans that sit on our book, and the other one is when we introduce a client to a bank, we get a bit more of a kicker there to help run our business and those upfront costs of getting things done. Even in my business industry, if I quit tomorrow and go, cool, I'm on. 300 grand a month on my ongoing work, guess what's going to happen over years? Those clients are going to refinance out. Those clients are going to move on and I'm going to have a runoff of the income that I thought was going to last for the rest of my life. So if I look at that, I look at that from a personal aspect. So do you think, do I think business owners can retire on their own stuff? They've got to make other decisions. Mm-hmm. But there's no, uh, unless you're, you're old school Bill Gates and, and even him, I would think he owns a lot more other stuff than just the stuff that he had in Microsoft. Just for context, he's the biggest holder of farmland in the US. He has yeah. massive stakes of shares in other companies, like huge. So there's, I don't think there's anyone that's successful in business that hasn't got wealth creation in one form or another. And, and even though I do lending on property or lending in business, uh, as a as a main source of conversation and revenue in my firm, it doesn't to say that there are other assets out there that you could still make the same thing. But it's not a pure hundred percent. I'm going to retire with my business. 
It's fascinating because a lot of business owners, right, I, I think subconsciously would understand that, right? So if they're going for a big exit and they're going to try and sell their business for 10 million bucks, 50 million bucks, whatever it is, they're not just going to leave the money in the bank. We're smarter than that. But it's like this, they just don't think of it. It's almost like the education around wealth creation is to wait until we sell a business or is to wait to do something else, right? So from your view, and, and as, uh, I appreciate that you've shared a bit about like you create your assets as well and you care about your personal wealth. Like, why, why don't you think a lot of business owners think about this? Now, a lot of your clients are probably thinking about this, especially if they're going for investment properties, right? So they're like, great, I got a good business. I don't know, I've got to invest this into uh, cash flow generating assets or assets for capital growth. Why is that not like, why is that not every business owner? Why is there like this select few that only focus in on it? Um, how, how common is that trap of, I can do it, I can do it when I can get to this, or I can do it when I've got this in the bank account, or I can do it when I can get this, or I've got this prediction of this big contract landing and I'll do it then. Um, and I don't think I'm even immune to thinking of that in the context of my own business. But business is really hard and time-consuming. Mm. Um, the stats are really against us. And that big black word called market can make us feel like everything's against us. And we, as business owners, are so sharp on what we're doing to make our money. We spend our time on that all the time. And then when we've got a little bit more time, we spend more time on that. And then we wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning thinking, oh, I didn't answer that email or I didn't do that or I didn't do this. So everything feels like we're against us. But I think what we need to, to, to do is we need to rebalance and we need to think that our business is going to provide us the money that we're living on and the, and the money that's going to generate. But we also need to think, okay, what's going to happen after that? What, what are the triggers in our own lives? And now I'm, I'm a dad. I've got three kids and I had my son start high school like, the time is there and catching up and you've got to have the plan to be able to use your business to create wealth so that you can have the time. You, you never know what's around the corner. Yeah. I, I, it's one of those fascinating things. It's like, it's like the matrix. When you become aware, you now go, ah, oh, that's so obvious now. And uh, everything and this, tastes like chicken. <laughs> that's exactly right. And that's exactly why asset blocks flows around. So, uh, final question I'm, I'm going to ask before we'll, we'll let you get back to doing what you do any day. So imagine that you had to start all over as a business owner, right? How would you start your wealth creation for you personally, right? There's no right or wrong answer to this. Like imagine that you just had nothing, you had no assets, you had your business running. Like how would you start? Well, the, the thing is it's taken years for me to get the right team around me, um, the right people that I trust, and the right people that I want to have my business open to to help influence and advise the decisions that I make. So it's taken me years to do that whilst I was creating a business. So if I had my time over again, my first focus would be going straight after that team. Who's my lending specialist? If, it, if it's not me in my own industry, who is my accountant? Who is the person going to advise me on the right properties um, what am I going to, to read to make sure that I know that I'm knowledgeable enough to interview and screen those people to make sure that they are aligned with where I want to go with my goals? So if I have my time over, 
I'd be going straight after the team and trying to have the balance between what I'm focused on trying to earn the money in the business and building wealth creation at the same time, because I can tell you it's taken years to get to the point where I've got to. Uh, I love that. And before we wrap up, Aaron, imagine someone's listening to this and they say, how, how do I get someone who specializes with Australian business owners for lending? Like, how can they get in contact with you? Yeah, so the best the best way to get in contact with me would be going over to my website and that's just dandf.com.au or giving my office a call um, on 02918844488. So that's dandandf.com.au. I love that. It's been such a uh, one of those value-packed episodes where we've dove into everything from alt docs to what would you do if you were to restart or, or go over but also like what are some of the pros and cons of being an australian business owner and we dove into some of those entity plays around ah, left pocket right pocket what do you want people to look at and things like that um but so if anyone's listening to this and they do want to get access to anything that we've covered but also uh, some calculators and templates that charlie and i put together head over to assetblocks.com.au click free resources and get access to any of those tools And if you did enjoy the show, make sure to hit subscribe and share it with someone else who might be going through this Australian business owner and funding road and going, huh, how is it different? Because this episode is obviously going to be valuable to them. So thank you again for joining us. And we look forward to catching you in the next episode of Asset Blocks Business Owner Edition.